welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We're going to have a fantastic hour. This is going to hopefully start a series of five or six weeks where we talk about salvation. I think in the past when we talk about salvation, we maybe just don't give it the time it deserves because there is nothing more important than salvation. So we're going to take this into a deep, deep study, hopefully do it once a week. We're going to hopefully do it Wednesdays during the five to six o'clock hour. So a lot of it is still in theory, and we're trying to move it into reality. But today starts episode number one, and hopefully after six weeks or five weeks, we'll be able to compile all the episodes together so you can click on one link and and binge listen. So if you're taking like a road trip and you want to you want to have, uh, you know, five or six hours of great material on salvation. You're going to love this. And the goal is uh, to have Dr. Peter Kapsner as my anchor guest. And then we're going to be asking a number of other people to make contributions to the series. And people like Lee Strobel, Jay Warner Wallace, Becky Pippert, uh, Craig Keener. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be uh, information overload. And you're going to love it, and I'm going to love it. I know I'm going to learn a lot, and I can't wait. And so joining me here today is Dr. Peter Kapsner, uh, who is on a well-deserved break from doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's tiring to do nothing for it a while. Is. I mean, you really got to take some time and uh, kind of refocus and, and then and you recharge. add the heat on top of it, I, it and it's, it's just, brutal. Yeah, no, I, you know, even walking into the studio in jeans today was not the easiest thing in this 90 to 4 degree, you know, humid yeah. weather. So yeah. this, yeah, definitely need a respite here. Yeah, they call it excessive heat, and it's, it's like <laughs> at the danger level. So It, it is indeed. In all seriousness, indeed. we're just saying be careful, make sure you get lots of water. Yep. But Peter, this is an idea that is so interesting to me because, you know, we've had in the past people who have asked questions about salvation and we handle them in a five to six minute time frame, which, you know, is not and not fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in, in you and I have done some of these shows uh, for a long time now. And what are the questions that come up when we invite listeners to text in their questions or to call in. It almost, there, every show that we invite that, there's going to be some kind of question related to salvation, whether it's, so what happens if somebody never heard the message of the gospel? What is their destiny going to be? Or perhaps can I lose my salvation? I know I gave my life That's to Christ. One. And, and can, can I lose it? Or why am I still struggling with sin? I mean, every single episode or every single time that we're on the air, that one comes up too. Why, yes. If I have salvation, why is sin yes. still present in my life? Or I feel like I might lose my salvation. Yeah, exactly. Like feelings have some uh, sway, right? which they don't. Right. It's, It's one of those topics that I know among all of my young people over all these years that have had the chance and, and even really truly the privilege to be teaching these last 15 years or so, they come from a wide range of different kinds of evangelical backgrounds, many different kinds of, uh, of churches, and yet their questions are so uh, they share a reality, which is all of these questions that we're asking, where they did authentically give their life to Jesus. Maybe it was at a youth group event of some kind. Maybe it was because their father or their mother explained to them their best version of the gospel mm-hmm. that they could. And it was authentic and it was real. And yet there, there's a sense of sometimes hopelessness. There's a sense of, of suffering and sorrow. There, there is What they signed up for or thought they signed up for certainly isn't playing itself out in their lives. And there's a lot of questions as to why. And if they have this beautiful thing called salvation, then why are all of these things still happening? That's and so, so to true. dive into these things, we do sort of scratch the surface from time to time for three to five minutes here and there with our listeners. But to really get into 
the, the richness of it. Jesus's very name means salvation in the Hebrew. So salvation walked and dwelt among us. And, and if that's the case, there, there's going to be an obvious richness that happens with him. Mm-hmm. So hopefully my goal will be over these next five or six weeks to have a full and complete and thorough understanding of salvation. Yeah. And then also I pray that you will be able to walk away six weeks from now and be able to have a functional explanation of salvation. Because I'm not so sh- sure that people can do that. Yeah, I don't I, know if people can give a functional explanation of their salvation. I, I think that's true, Bill. And, and when you think about how we sometimes get introduced to the idea of salvation, right? And, and there's a lot of different ways people do, but how you get introduced to it is, is sort of your teacher as to what it is. And I remember how I was introduced to it was in youth group, sort of the standard youth group story. I where, want to get to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that starting point then defines how you think about it into the future. And I look back on my own life and, and the starting point with it, again, there's parts of it I'm so grateful for, but there's parts of it that I was really troubled by and mixed up by. And, and not the least of which was the fact that I had a number of my friends in youth group who prayed the sinner's prayer. That was sort of the version of salvation that I grew up with. And yet... If you looked at our lives even a year or two later, there was no demonstrable evidence of anything. And, and, and nine out of 10 of us had, had functionally even sort of walked away from the faith. And so my introduction to salvation at youth group, and I will talk about that in, in a bit, really defined the pathway, which then became confusing until uh, much later in life, I had a chance to go through seminary and be involved in some pastors and, and professors. And I'll, I'll never forget when a professor introduced us to the idea of salvation. We had two four-hour periods of it over two weeks. And the first thing that he said to all of us budding pastors, he said, I'm not saved. Whoa. <laughs> and that gets it, your attention. It, it really did. And we were all like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm in a Christian school right now, and you just said, I'm not saved. You, we've been trained in the arts to get you saved Where's here, pal. The, Why don't, you know, you come down right now, young man. Where's the we'll refund table? It, it, really, it really was. We were checking our tuition money, all of that. And, and yet he then began to beautifully walk through the witness of the scriptures of what salvation is and what it means to be saved. And, and I wish I would have started with some of that in this journey that, again, very grateful for uh, back in the day, but it was truncated. I missed some quite a bit, I think, of the fullness of the explanation of it. Mm-hmm. And Jim Wallace was talking to me on one of my shows about the fact that he grew up in a Mormon family. So it was quite yeah. natural and ordinary that all family members would be Mormons. Right. Right. And, and why and, did you become a Mormon? Because that's what we did. <laughs> That, and, and I think a lot of people probably can profess that very thing in their Christianity, right? Is that I became a Christian just simply because that was my family. It was or the next step to do, the next right. thing to do. That's exactly it. And, yeah. and so how, what is the invitation beyond that? And, yeah. and if we are walking in those days with Jesus and, and, he, and salvation was walking among us in flesh and blood, and we're beholding his glory, like John says in, in his beautiful gospel, and we could hear his words, follow me, and what his offer was, how would that help us? walk out this journey in some ways that might be uh, far richer than we could ever dare hope to think. Right. And Jim was also saying too, he said, you know, people will, will talk about an experience they had maybe at youth group where they had an experience. Yeah. They go, well, what does that mean? <laughs> we, you know, everybody has experiences. And he said, not until you understand the, the truth of the gospel. Yeah. You believe in the truth of the gospel and nothing else. Yeah. It's, and, and I think again, probably our listeners can can sympathize with the idea that maybe there's a sort of mountaintop experience that they've had, that they went to a retreat or they had somebody explain the best they could what the gospel was. And you, you feel almost this release, this big sort of euphoric moment of having something happen in your life. And that's real and that matters. 
But it, but then it gets confusing when you head back into the rigors of day-to-day life and pretty soon some sinful patterns, again, they begin cropping up. What is true about those things? How do we understand why we still have that in our life? If we can really dive into those kinds of questions uh, and, and, and be consistent with the beautiful truth of God's kingdom, I think those beliefs will really help start, start driving our experiences and really bring, I think, some freedom that people are long desperate for. Mm-hmm. Peter, when you hear stories of conversion, do you more often hear ones that have emotional elements to them or rational elements? Yeah, it's a really good question, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what your experience is, but I think it's almost always emotion. It's it's almost always uh, somebody was in sort of the, the depths of whatever trouble that they were mm-hmm. in and, and, and rescued from that. And again, those are very real experiences. But if they're not combined with the beliefs of what is true about God's kingdom, mm-hmm. because whatever is true is what's going to end up driving our values and our attitudes and our experiences and our commitments. And so if I believe salvation is simply something that I get after I die, then I'm going to look at this world as, well, why am I even still here? Right. You know, this is just going to be one big long slog. But but what if I believed, and it was consistent with the scriptural witness, that there's something available about the eternal life of God in this life, that salvation comes in present time and space, not just a future dimension? That very belief question is really going to drive how I experience this. Mm-hmm. For me, it was uh, it was rational and and reasonable because there was this knowledge. From First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our mm-hmm. sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I was taught that I could have a personal uh, relationship with Jesus and I could, I could have eternity today. Yeah. And I thought, whoa, 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 are you telling me that I can be born again and I can have the confidence of eternity with God starting right now? Mm. And I had this rash of reason come over me and go, this is what I would call really good news. Yeah, it's Can I like news. do this like right now? Yeah. I don't know if it was emotional as much as it was. I've never heard anything that makes more sense than this. Yeah, right. And, you know, and even when I was six years old and my dad explained the good news the best he could um, in, in our guest bedroom of our house, uh, even then... Why there were was... you sleeping in the guest bedroom? <laughs> Didn't <laughs> you my brother kicked room? me out of the bunk bed at that point. So, yeah, uh, I must have been snoring. But he, you know, he explained it to me. And, and even then in the little six-year-old mind, there was something unbelievably compelling to it. Yes. And, and it is compelling on an emotional level. It's compelling on a spiritual level. But it also is, as you've just said, compelling on a rational level, because there is a truth to it. And I think when our mind um, encounters what is true, our mind sort of explodes with the possibilities from that place. Yeah, it's going to be a wonderful series. And I'm so excited that throughout all of this uh, time together with Peter and with uh, selected guests, your questions will be absolutely welcome. If you hear anything that you'd like clarification on, Make sure you direct that question to Peter because he'll be probably (laughs) saying all the things that will be complicated. But you can send questions anytime. You can send comments anytime. If you came to faith in Christ because you were very emotional about it or mostly rational, I'd love to hear even that. If you want to text me the word emotional or rational, I'd love to get just an opening uh, response from listeners. But you can send that to 877-933-2484. And as we talk about salvation over the next uh, five or six weeks, we are going to have a deep, deep dive into the study and into this subject. I know you're going to learn a lot, as am I, because I'm learning right along with you. We'll take a short break. I'll be right back with Dr. Peter Kapner.
talking salvation. We're going to be doing that for six weeks. I cannot wait to go into this deep, deep dive. Dr. Peter Kapsner is my my anchor guest, and then we're going to be filling in with a lot of other contributors to this wonderful subject, and hopefully we'll have six weeks of material. We'll all put them together in a downloadable MP3, and you can binge listen if you miss any of them. So, Peter, as I just got a text from Emily, she said, uh, I was rational all the way, and I'm a woman. Love it. So, yeah, I love, love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's hear about how you were first introduced to salvation. I know your dad talked to you at six, but I think you also had a youth group experience, didn't you? Yeah, well, it was certainly during the evangelism week at youth group in which okay. salvation was going to be the, the topic, right? And it, it was always the week before gospel week at youth group <laughs> that, that our youth group pastor would gather together us, you know, regular attenders of, of the youth group and say, all right, next week is gospel week. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to lay, uh, ask God to lay on your heart the, the name of somebody who is unsaved and, uh, and invite him next week because we're going to share the gospel, right? Which <laughs> I'd go home and like, if I ever wanted God to be silent in my life, right? Like this, this was the day for sure on this. Yeah. And, but being the dutiful Christian, I would go home and I would pray and say, you know, God, lay somebody's name on my heart that I'm supposed to invite to youth group. And, and I'd go down in prayer. And after a few seconds of silence, it might be Larry, you know, I'd hear, I'd hear Larry and, my, and I'm thinking, oh no. Larry is the kid down the street. Uh, mm-hmm. Larry and I have grown up together in this neighborhood. I don't actually even really like Larry all that much, but mm-hmm. now I've got to figure out a way to go to Larry's house and, and invite him to youth group and get him saved at, at gospel week next week. So I'd go over there and ride my bike down to Larry's house and knock on the door and, and say, Larry, I, I know this probably sounds kind of weird. I know you and I don't get along very well, but I'd love to start kind of a new season of of life with you. And I'm wondering, would you be willing to come to church with me next week uh, to this youth group thing? I know it sounds kind of weird, but Larry, we've got great food. We've got a great band. You might meet somebody that you would want to you know, date or something like that. And I know behind the scenes that we are, we're sparing nothing for gospel week. I mean, we're not just bringing out one set of Doritos. It's like five different sets of Doritos. We got all the M&Ms. We're not doing the youth group band. We've got a local band that we've hired. I mean, it's gospel week. And, and, uh, and, but we're not going to tell Larry that it's just a fun place to hang out because this is a bit of a bait and switch moment for Larry. We're going to get him in with all these things, but we won't tell him (laughs) why this is going on. And, and, you know, and literally it was interesting because our, my youth pastor at the time, I don't know if many listeners can, can again, identify with this, but he would say something, but then it's your responsibility to make sure that person actually gets to youth group because you don't want their blood on your hands. So there really was a fear associated with this wow. idea. I know it was, it was pretty hardcore. So I'd say, Larry, we're coming by at 630. We'll pick you up. We'll go to church and we'll get you home. So sure enough, that Wednesday, uh, we'd, we'd pick up Larry. My mom would drive us to, to youth group. He'd come in the door and he'd be a little bit skeptical. Uh, a little bit cynical, and uh, but the M&Ms and the Doritos and the Foursquare would start doing their job, right? <laughs> yeah. And Larry starts softening up, and there's maybe a girl in the corner that he thought was somewhat attractive, and so he's he's getting interested. And now we're down to maybe the pro- programmatical part of the night, and uh, and the band starts playing, and they're a reasonable band mm-hmm. at this point. Again, a, a local Christian gigging band is there, and, and uh, Larry's even a little bit slumped over in his chair. He's feeling pretty relaxed at this point. I mean, we have him vulnerable. We have him ready. And, uh, and then the youth pastor's turn to stand up, and it's time to give the gospel message. And this is how we are introduced to what salvation is. And uh, it happened over and over again. I've talked to my students over and over again to tell what their story was about gospel night. And it's the same question that the youth group pastor leads with every time on gospel Ooh, night. I think I know what it is. Okay, so <laughs> if you died tonight... Do you know where you'd go? Yes. So that so that's the question, right? Yes. And and Larry again, he's pretty slumped back. He's pretty vulnerable. He's he's feeling pretty good in, in youth group and stuff. But when the pastor asks the question, I mean, even I, who was ready for the question, am starting to feel pretty afraid in this moment. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, 
Mm, I don't know. And poor Larry's really got Larry's attention right now. I mean, if Larry's going to get hit by a car in the parking lot outside right. afterwards, you know, where is he going to go? Yeah. And, and from there, the youth pastor begins to share the what was called sort of the Romans road. Uh, maybe all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 to sort of establish mm-hmm. that everybody is a sinner, right? And, yep. and if somebody wants to try to rationalize that they've not been a sinner in that moment, the youth pastor will say something, did you ever steal your sister's candy bar? Right. You know, something they're along they're those lied. lines. Yeah, exactly. Just establish the fact that you're a sinner, right? And then we skip through a few chapters of Romans. We skip four and five and most of six, six. And then we six get to 623. Six, six Thank you. And you know what that one says? Um, the wages of the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Exactly. So, so we've established that you've sinned now, Larry, and uh, the wages of that sin is death. Now, we think in as we're hearing this that um, death and hell are synonymous in the biblical text. Like the result of your sin is that you're going to be cast into hell. Now, there's a perfectly good word for hell in the biblical text at that moment, and yet Paul wasn't using hell. In that moment, he was using the word death. And we can talk about this later in this whole series on salvation about what Paul was up to. But for the purposes of my youth group, it was interpreted as hell, meaning that you've told a lie, you've stolen your sister's candy bar, whatever it is, and and God can't tolerate sin. Although I get confused by that sometimes because God, when he was flesh and dwelt among us, was hanging out with sinners all the time. But we understand Romans 6.23, so we think, to mean that God can't tolerate sin, and so the wages of that sin is hell. But the free gift is eternal life, eternal life, which we then have as a synonym for heaven, except like hell, there's a perfectly good word for heaven in the Greek, and Jesus wasn't, or Paul wasn't using it in this moment. So these are some of the words I think Bill will have to get into in a little bit uh, in the weeks ahead, even for eternal life and death and what's all at stake here. But the point being in this Romans road, we go to 623, that Larry's now headed for hell. If he dies tonight in an unrepentant state, he the wages of sin is death is how that passage is being interpreted. And then we go down a little further into Romans and it says, but if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, you will be saved. saved. And so there's your salvation, which then I always ended up with a question, how do I know that I believed in my heart strong enough Right. That Jesus raised from the dead in order to be saved. And I don't want to talk about these things very much in our Christian communities, except every time I read a student's paper, these are the questions. The, the best and the brightest of our evangelical young people are saying, how do I know that I believe strong enough? Uh, is it really true if I just say out loud with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, that I'm saved? What does it even mean to be saved? Why am I still struggling? All of these things. Mm-hmm. But in youth group then, at the end of that time, we invite Larry to pray the sinner's prayer. Repeat after me, dear God, I'm a sinner. Dear God, I'm a sinner. You know, forgive me my sin, and and I would love to be in heaven when I die. Some version of that, mm-hmm. right? And these these can be really powerful moments. I, I, there's nothing about this that I want to take away uh, from that, other than that it can be a very powerful moment um, in that. But then I think we do end up with a series of questions that come if what salvation is in the Bible is that we now get a chance to be in heaven when we die and we avoid hell when we die. If that's the heart of salvation, then it does lead to all kinds of questions that are sort of irresolvable. And they're the questions that our listeners do write in week in and week out to us like, well, so then can I lose that? And why am I still sinning? And Capstone, why were you among 10 young people that had um, prayed that prayer, and yet a year later, there was really no evidence of that in your life. Why were you out partying at university and, mm-hmm. and doing what you're doing at this point? And, and all of these questions begin to surface uh, from that. And even more so, why did I pray that prayer 13 times, which I truly have in my life? <laughs> why have I prayed it 13 yeah. times if, if one time was enough to get me into heaven? And it, 
is this how God functions kind of in a transactional way that he offers a prayer of faith and then I get into is it, or is there more at stake with this? So yeah. those are where all these questions wow. come from. That was my introduction I mean, did to you, salvation. Did you mean it so passionately that you're just going to keep reminding God over and over, yeah. re- I've really done this. Right. Just so you know, I'll say it again. I, I think my favorite moment when I did it last, but this was before I kind of had a much more robust maybe uh, introduction into salvation yeah. is I was actually an assistant Bible teacher for a program called community Bible study, which I loved. I love and uh, it was, it was a phenomenal study. And, and the, the main teacher was teaching one week and he was giving the gospel invitation and he did. And I was so concerned, even in that moment in my late twenties that I didn't truly have salvation that when he said, all right, if you've prayed this prayer tonight, look up and catch my eye. Oh, I'm his assistant teaching pastor at this moment. <laughs> I will never forget the look on his face when he was surveying the room of yeah. about 200 people and he caught my eye as if I'd been saved for the first time that night. Oh, but it, it just leads to so many questions that, again, I, I can't imagine too many people listening haven't at least wondered about these questions as well. And, and what does this mean? Yeah. And everybody's okay with wanting to make sure that they're sure that they're sure. For sure. You know, that's, there you go. For sure. The, for sure, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And so it's it's a big deal that we have got this thing locked, loaded, all set in stone. And by stone, I mean my name's written in the book of life, and that's right. not subject to negotiation. Right. And, and and that's a very understandable need for want something along those lines. But I think Jesus offers us something even more powerful and more beautiful and more expansive that even would answer those questions when we get into the fullness of the salvation that he really is offering. And it's interesting in his um, great commission, it doesn't say go therefore and get a bunch of people saved. It says go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. Like, that's the heart of the evangelism of the great commission. Mm-hmm. And once we begin to blend the ideas of salvation and discipleship together, we might see a more hopeful yeah. invitation. Another listener, uh, Peter said, emotional whether it was yeah. your decision was mostly emotional or mostly rational. And she said, emotional, came to Christ at age seven, hearing Psalm 1 read to me before school one day, uh, living with relatives at the time, believing that I had been abandoned by my family. Uh, and what a, what a what promising a, psalm that would have been in that moment. What a beautiful moment. That this is little, a beautiful, beautiful moment. seven-year-old girl saying, I believe. Yeah, and Crazy. God can intersect with us yes. anywhere at yeah. any time. Yeah. If you have questions or comments, let us know. We're in a salvation series. We're going to hopefully do this five or six weeks, although it might stretch into 30 weeks. Who knows? <laughs> How much material you got, Kaffner? Well, we'll see after the next 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. Again, you can uh, question or comment. Did you come to faith in Christ? Was it more emotional or rational? Just curious. You can send me a text if you want. 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back. is with me. We're starting our five or six week series on salvation. And as we talk about it, uh, I've been bringing up the question, was your born again experience mostly emotional or mostly rational? That was just kind of a fun question. It didn't mean too much, but we've gotten some lovely responses. And I think what I just want to remind all of you that we're here to celebrate your story. We're not saying one is better than the other. And your salvation story is fantastic. Mm -hmm. We love it. So Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think in light of that too, Bill, just that idea that God wills that none should perish, that he's always pursuing and always wooing, that even as we're exploring this subject quite a bit more and wondering about, you know, how much more is beautiful, this invitation of salvation, it is not to ever take away from any of our experiences. Even my youth group experience was a very powerful one. I mean, God will meet us in so many different ways, however haltingly our our attempts are to evangelize and share the good news. It's just that I think we can explore this even more deeply and allow us to get us some of these places where we can often be stuck. All right, Peter, before I bring my next question up, I just want to throw in a couple of other comments from listeners. Anne said, uh, emotional. I watched the movie The Thief in the Night. I did Oof. not want to be left behind. Yeah, right. Another one said, rational, with a lot of emotions to follow. Mm. Though my story is very much synonymous with the prodigal son. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's what's so compelling about the kingdom, right? The gospel is it just sits there and just waits for you to turn. Yes. And and it, the moment you'll turn, the father will run. It's just, it's such a powerful invitation. Yeah. So some Christians and and truth seekers, when they're coming into a relationship with God, wonder if this salvation is primarily a end-of-life ticket that gets you into heaven. Yeah. But it's really a present possession. Eternal life is a present possession at the moment of conversion. Yeah, that, that's what's so interesting about this whole thing. And I think that's where the heart of the invitation lies to be able to really start answering some of these questions that are that are often so difficult. But like the passage where it says, work out your salvation and fear and trembling for God is at work in you, that, that can be such a troubling passage. Wait, wait a second. What do you mean work out my salvation? Is my salvation something in the future or I can't get it by works? But but when we start looking at what salvation is and the eternal life that's possible, I mean, the most famous verse in the scriptures, right, is probably John 3, 16. John 3, 16. And, and, and that verse ends with this invitation where it does say, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, so whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. And again, I think if we're not careful, we might think that what that verse is really inviting us into is that perish sometimes somehow means hell or eternal life means heaven. But if we get back into the original language of it, um, this is not something that has to do with just the future. Clearly, heaven and hell are all part of this. I mean, we would not take away from that idea in this conversation, except that if you are standing there with Jesus and with Nicodemus, when Jesus was saying these words to him in this, in this gospel of John chapter 3, and he says something like eternal life, the word eternal there in, in the original language Jesus would have been using doesn't have as much to do with the idea of a timelessness about it, meaning that you just get to spend time and eternity in heaven with God. It's much more the idea of indestructible. It's the idea of something that cannot be destroyed, that will persist and that will remain. And then that word life there isn't there. And this is sort of insider baseball, like Greek stuff right mm-hmm. now at this yeah. point. But, but there's three different words for life in the Greek language. Uh, one word is bios, which sounds a lot like biology, mm-hmm. which sounds a lot like life. Yep. And Jesus could have been saying sort of a timeless bios or timeless life, but he wasn't saying that. And so he, he didn't use the word bios there. There's a second word called psyche, which has to do with sort of a human personality or the seat of who you are kind of thing. And Jesus didn't use that word either. He used a word that shows up another 122 times in the New Testament. It's one of the primary themes of the entire New Testament. In fact, I think it was Martin Luther who said, if you want to understand the New Testament, study these two words, study the word light and study the word life because of how pervasive they are all throughout the New Testament. And the word life there in the Greek language is this word zoe. And, and what zoe means, if you just look it up, is uh, to paraphrase it, I suppose, would be it's the very kind of life that God himself enjoys. 
it's a kind of life that characterizes who God is. It's a life of the fruit of the Spirit could represent that. It's a life of love and joy and peace and patience. And so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and, and salvation is there, right? Jesus' name meaning salvation. Um, and he's on the scene. He's like, here's the deal. If you just lean into or believe in the son that that uh, God sent out of his love for the world, if if you give him your allegiance, if you bend your knee, if you surrender your life, um, you will not be walking on pathways that are futile and failing, which we can get into parish in a little bit. But he will begin to bring to you something called in the present eternal life, an indestructible way of life that even God himself sorts of enjoys. This is salvation that in the midst of my pain and turmoil and suffering, even if my circumstances don't change, this little indestructible way of life begins to take root in my life uh, that that will persist and remain and cannot be destroyed by anything in this world. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to repeat that yes. because it's so important. The indestructible way of life. Yeah, it's Who what, does not want that right now? Right. And it's God's way of life. Of right. course, it's indestructible. Of course it his is. kingdom will remain forever and ever. There's a mm-hmm. government on his shoulders. It's all of the language of the text. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus in this moment is I can bring to you that way of life in the present. It doesn't mean I'm going to rescue you from your circumstances. This isn't just something in heaven when you die, though the fullness of it will be realized when we set down this corruptible body, right? And mm-hmm. are raised incorruptible on the other side. But I can start to bring into your life now this eternal way of life that will begin to shape who you are, that will begin to um, change your character and form the, the way that you go about doing life. So much so that I think it shows up some 32 times in the Gospel of John. Jesus is saying something about this Zoe, this life of God, this salvation that he's bringing. And every time he references it, it's in the present space. It's in the present tense. Hmm. It's like John 10.10, 10, he's saying, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Like in the present tense, the powers of darkness have come to steal and kill and destroy all of what's going on in God's beautiful world. But I have come in the present tense that you would have life and that you would have it abundantly. Um, And sometimes I think we get confused in America that abundant life is I've got the car, I've got the money, I've got the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But what Jesus is actually saying in the midst of a world where the thief has come to steal and kill and destroy all that is good. I have come that there is a way of life that is indestructible and you can have it and you can begin to have it overflowing in who you are, even in the midst of the pain and difficulty and, and, and problems of this world. It's an incredible invitation that's offered. So the salvation is a rescuing from. Salvation at its, at its core means to rescue from. And, and the question is, is what are we being rescued from? Well, clearly we're being rescued from eternity in hell. That is part of the steal. But when Jesus is coming in current time and space and he's saying salvation is here, in, in, in the book of Luke, for example, he says, um, and when he sits down in the synagogue with, with the rest of the Jews, and he reads this famous Isaiah passage, this messianic passage, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom to the captors, declare now is the year of the Lord's favor, uh, and, and that salvation has come. He says, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What he is again offering is that in the midst of all of this stuff, I can rescue you from the powers of sin and death in this life and begin to um, create in you a new kind of heart that begins to be inhabited by things like love and joy and peace and patience that are absolutely indestructible. Mm-hmm. Rescue is such an important word. It's such a it big deal. I mean, think about how many people, how all of us need to be rescued, Bill. I mean, again, I don't know, yeah. even, even those times when I was praying their prayer for the 13th time again, maybe not understanding the fullness of it, but mm-hmm. wanting something. I knew there was something going on in my life that I needed to be rescued from. Yeah. 
And, and so what would it mean if Jesus doesn't just rescue us from hell in the future, but if he's rescuing us every single day as salvation is present in our life? This is part of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, to be in relationship with salvation um, is, is a daily journey of ongoing rescuing from the powers that disfigure us. Mm-hmm. I think of the, the Titanic Mm. And of course, there's been so many movies, and of course, the one that got to be so famous, that Caprio, so, many, yeah. so many people saw. But it occurred to me that if you wanted to live that night, you had to be rescued. Yeah. Nobody said, you know what? I'll swim to shore. I'm good. Yeah. In order to live, you had to be rescued, period, yeah. end of sentence. And everybody knew it. Yeah. And I mean, we're all in open water right now, uh, and, all of us. And, and, and even for all of us that have, have, converted, have said yes to the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still swimming in those open waters so many days. I mean, I, I, for a Christian to to be struggling with depression, for example, like mm-hmm. many Christians do, they wonder, gosh, you know, why would I even be doing this? And, and why would I still be depressed? Or somebody, whatever persistent sin going on in your life, when we start opening up the invitation of salvation, that salvation is actually Jesus and that there's an ongoing rescuing that can be happening day in and day out. Um, I would suggest that Jesus cares so much about an undivided heart and, and a heart that is fully allegiant to him, that he even allows us to swim in those waters while the rescuing is there. Some you know, people will say, why do I keep doing this sin? Right. Why do I keep doing it for years? I know in my life, I, I had a sinful pattern in my life for the better part of four years. And what I learned at the end of the process is that, yes, Jesus was concerned about that sinful pattern, but Jesus knew if he could get a hold of my heart in an undivided way, that I would be fully rescued from that. Uh, in its entirety, and then free, and actually be set free. I would know the truth, and I would be free indeed in those moments. And these are these invitations that salvation is walking among us all day long. Um, and he says, "Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age." So there is this availability of eternal life in the present, and I think that's the hardest thing to get our head around. I know when my seminary prof was trying to introduce us to these ideas, my head was just exploding. My my wife Hallie audited the course with me, and we would go home that night saying. Do you understand any of that? Because I thought eternal life was simply about like heaven when we die. And he's trying to articulate something right now that there's some sort of invitation in the present about eternal life. What in the world are you talking about? I've never heard anything like this. Mm -hmm. And then we started going through the scriptures and he went start to finish. And I thought, I can't believe that this whole time salvation is being offered along with the future, but also in present time and space. And I love the indestructible way of life. And when you think of John 3.16, Peter is is truly one of the more famous passages in scripture. I always think of Jesus possibly on a hillside talking to 500 mm. people when he says those words, but he was talking to one just person. One person. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Just may, you know, take the invitation now. Just yeah, that one there's person. There's the invitation. There's yeah. the intimacy that God offers. It's well, just amazing. And you look at Nicodemus's life, right? I mean, he really knew a lot about God's kingdom in those moments. And yet he, there was, he was going nowhere good with it. And I, I really appreciate Dallas Willard's paraphrase of John 3.16 when he sort of quotes it in a, in a different kind of way. He said, you know, God's care for humankind was so great and, and for everybody that he sent his unique son among us. So whoever counts on him will not be walking on pathways that are futile and failing like Nicodemus was. I mean, it was a futile and failing pathway that he had given his allegiance to. Um, his allegiance to become this powerful Pharisee at the end of the day was going to perish. It's not indestructible. Um, so he said that will not be walking on pathways that are futile and failing, but will begin to have the everlasting kind of life of God himself. And that's the only pathway that is, that is indestructible. You can give your allegiance to money. You can give your allegiance to relationships, to vocation, to successful career, you to drugs, you name it. 
all of those pathways are futile and failing and will lead to absence for God for eternity. There's only one indestructible invitation. It's God's way of life. And Jesus said it's available now in the present to you, in part in its fullness to come later. And is it a spiritual opposition? Is it the enemy that is not having you believe all that? What? Because what you just said is so powerfully true that anything you do apart from this beautiful message of salvation will fail. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you put your, your salvation in your money, your wealth, your family, your grandkids, doesn't matter. It right? doesn't matter. And, and I do think there's a thief that has come to steal, kill, and destroy all mm-hmm. of that, Bill. I don't fully understand the realm of the spirit and, and the powers of darkness, but I think we would underestimate them to our peril when it comes to this beautiful invitation. I agree. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. If you have questions or comments, we're sure enjoying some of the listener uh, offerings. Because I said, did you come to faith in Christ? Was it more of an emotional moment or more of a rational one? Like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. This is the best news. I want to become born again. Or were you just so full of emotion that God had reached you in a way that just overwhelmed you? And we're just celebrating all your stories. We're not saying one is better than the other. We're just saying, if you want to send me a quick text, we'd love to hear what it was like for you. 877-933-2484. Here's another Faith Radio fan talking about their favorite show. I love Carmen. She's teaching me a lot on how to have everyday conversations it's hard to keep up with what's going on in the world and not get upset about it. And she has a way of bringing in the Christian viewpoint without getting riled up and just being able to talk to people. Connecting faith to life together on Faith Radio. I'm Dr. Alan Kierden, president of the University of Northwestern, and I have been moved by the discipline, strength, and fortitude that our students, faculty, and staff have demonstrated during this time. And it is with hope that we look forward to a new season this fall when, if the Lord wills, our students will return to our beautiful campus. So we are moving forward with plans to offer face-to-face classes in the fall. So I invite you to schedule a visit today at unwsp.edu. This is Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our program every weekend here on Faith Radio. Every Saturday and Sunday, my co-host Chris Weigel and I bring you relevant and important information that will make your life better. Find hope and healing for all of your relationships with the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. We're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Tune in Saturday morning at 1030 and Sunday evenings at 630 on Faith Radio. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Peter Kapsner about salvation. We're going to turn this into a, I keep saying five or six weeks. Yeah. Why don't I just commit to five or six? I, I, we could. I mean, you know, Maybe you five a, with a bonus round of six. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. I think we can go there. And we're going to talk about it uh, hopefully every week. That's yeah. the plan. And we're going to have guest contributors that are going to come in and talk about salvation. You're going to have so much biblical knowledge on salvation. And we want to always open up the, the lines for questions. You can send texts to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four, and this whole thing started, Peter, with um, so many people over so many years wondering about salvation. Yeah, am I? Am I? Is that my salvation certain? Am I? Am I really saved? 
And yeah. can I lose it? And I know this has been a hot topic uh, in universities, in uh, Bible classes for a long, long time. Yeah, it, it really churches, has. churches, by the way. Yeah, I, I, these questions have been everywhere that I go, and they're understandable ones. And, and so to take some time like this over the course of a few weeks, I mean, if we only communicate one thing today is just the idea that salvation, yes, does have to do with future reality, but within the, the beautiful invitation of the scriptures and what Jesus was offering, there is this present time and space uh, dimension to it. There's this indestructible way of life that he brings into our life as we live in this broken and fallen and difficult world there really is the possibility of a way of life in all of this. It's it's something as simple as the peace that passes understanding that we use in the biblical text, right? Mm-hmm. For somebody who has a cancer diagnosis or some other horrible thing happened, and all of a sudden that little whisper of peace comes flitting across the soul in the midst of all of it. It doesn't take it all away. Sometimes that, pers- that peace only persists for like a second or two, right. and yet it can persist even in the midst of the worst kind of stuff. This is the indestructible way of life. That gives us a little taste of our future in the present. This is the kind of thing that Jesus is offering. And I don't get tired of saying indestructible way of life today. Yeah. So how do we walk that out in, in everyday life? Yeah. You know, how do we I do this day to day. Yeah. I think right around the same time that this um, was sort of my head was all exploding with all of this kind of stuff as it was both <laughs> a pastor and a professor all at the same time and, and from different angles, but talking about the same thing and beginning to open up the scriptures for me and for my wife and some people around us and, began to think about it. We, we, I think we had our first uh, son, Caleb, at that point in time. And uh, we, I was in seminary when we found out that uh, Hallie was pregnant and thought, well, gosh, that's a weird, that's a surprise. We, and that wasn't part of the plan, right? I mean, we knew how it happened, but it was, yeah, it was, it was certainly, so. it was, it was, it was not planned. It wasn't part of, of what we intended to do uh, in those moments. And so if I was honest about it, okay, if, if somebody could crack open my soul at those moments, um, it, it would seem to me that a reaction of a father towards the news of his son um, would be one of just unbridled joy of just like dancing in the streets and, and whooping it up. And I can't believe this, this is an amazing news. But probably what was really true in my soul is like, how am I going to deal with this responsibility? And and we thought about that and, and that persisted for a while because I was so overwhelmed by school and overwhelmed by work and the idea of being a new parent that mostly my response to my son, both while he was in the womb, but also for his first maybe six, seven months of life, was that this is a responsibility that I need to take care of. Now, I don't know about you, Bill, but it doesn't really, you know, bring joy to the soul to be somebody else's responsibility, right? <laughs> oh, I'm so happy that I'm your responsibility. Right. And and I remember talking to Hallie about it one night and saying, you know, Hallie, uh, what do you think it would be like for Caleb to grow up over 18 years if I really was a truly responsible father and was there for everything? I never missed a, a, an athletic event, an academic event, a music event. I was faithful to his homework. I did prayers with him at night. I read him stories. I, I did all of what a dad's supposed to do. Do you think at the end of his 18 years, he would um, know if his dad actually really loved him or if it was just simply coming from a sense of responsibility? And those are really hard words uh, to to wonder about. And so I did what you do, uh, which is always, it's never the smartest thing to do, maybe if you don't want to see some change and some pain come into your life, but I asked God about it. And, And so let me just use the language that we're talking about today. I asked salvation to come in those moments, meaning Jesus. I asked Jesus to bring his salvation and his eternal indestructible way of life in the midst of it because I didn't think that the fullness of his kingdom joy would come if I was just simply a responsible dad. The fullness would come if there was a dad whose heart broke open for his kid, who was dancing in the street, who was whooping it up. I mean, God's kingdom pulsates with love. It is first and foremost, meaning sort of this other-centered desire and this tenderhearted affection and a willingness to give stuff up for another person's wholeness, all of this language of love. uh, It was certainly a mix in my soul for those first few months. 
And Bill, it was a really, it was a tough journey. I had to come face to face with some of my own sinfulness, some of my own selfishness, my self-centeredness. Uh, it happened in sometimes as I would pray at night just before going to sleep. It would happen sometimes when confronted with it again, where it felt like, oh, I've got to read this story before I get back to my stuff, whatever it might be. And over those course of those months, though, I'll never forget the moment when salvation came. Okay, not the salvation of heaven when we die, though, again, that's included. But when salvation came and, and, and eternal life came into, into current time and space was a morning that I woke up and we were in a two-bedroom townhome and Caleb was sleeping in his room and, and I heard this sort of squawking at about 6.30 in the morning. I thought, well, I'll get up and I'll I head into his room and see what's up. And, and, and I walked into his room and he put his little hands on the rails of the crib and he pulled his face up above the rails of the crib and I could see his face. And for the first time as a father... Uh, my heart just broke open in unbridled joy for my son. I saw him differently. I saw, and I just began, I just stood on the threshold of that doorway and I began to weep. And I thought, you know, I've been doing the good Christian duty thing forever, but responsibility is not, I mean, yes, responsibility is part of God's kingdom, but when it comes to relationship, it's love that really defines it. And I just wept. And in those moments, salvation came. And when that salvation came after two years of struggling through so much of this kind of stuff from in womb and, and beyond when it came, it was indestructible. I've never looked back since that day when mm. finally the freedom came from sin in those moments. Now, I've got plenty of other sin to worry about and deal with in, in the journey from that time. But here's an example of when salvation comes, eternal life is offered, and it begins to persist in our heart in a different kind of way. That's really powerful, Peter. Yeah, I, I think it's such a it's an invitation to all of our listeners who do write in, understandably, with struggle A or struggle B or struggle C. And I could be those listeners, right? I mean, I could write that stuff in too. But when we understand again that Jesus has promised to never leave us. And again, if, if you just, if you're listening today and you just take only this week and just whenever you think about the name Jesus, just substitute salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so salvation walk among us, salvation intersect with my life, salvation I need you, like those kinds of things. Jesus has this amazing, mysterious, though very real way of beginning to intersect with our lives and bringing that eternal way of life into our time of space. Again, we're never going to experience the fullness in this life the way we might want it. Mm -hmm. But it's part of the beautiful invitation of the scriptures is we get little deposits of it. And, uh, and so maybe the last part of this little this segment is theologians talk about this idea of what's called a now and not yet tension, meaning that we get certain things in the now but the fullness is the not yet. So we get a little taste of heaven in our present that helps us keep walking towards our actual home that is awaiting us. And, and, it, and we begin to long for it. So we, we don't get the fullness of salvation yet in this life, but we absolutely get taste of it all the way through. Mm-hmm. I really like that. So how do you hold this tension in your head when you know God is going to be with you? He'll never leave you or forsake you. Yet you still in your human flesh hate what you know you have to go through. Yeah. I mean, isn't that it though? I just, I know he's going to be there for me, yeah. but I can't stand and I'm worried and I'm obsessing about what I know I have to face. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things, I, 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 but I think that's just part of living in the, in this thief ruled world mm-hmm. where that, that fear and that turmoil and that chaos is, is all around us all the time. And, 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 and there are people that I know though, that it seems like they're almost always in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and they've just lived enough of that journey where it's not like they welcome the turmoil, but, but they, can, they can stand it in a different kind of way. They, they know that the God who has been faithful in the past will be faithful now again in whatever is coming up. I, I, it's one of the things that I love God told the Israelites to do is after he maybe parted the river for them or something or rescued them or saved them. And again, salvation was coming all throughout the Old Testament too. It was often happening in in physical time and space and God would rescue them from something. And he'd say, stop, 
build an Ebenezer stone here, build, build a monument of some kind to remember my faithfulness where I rescued you in the past and I will rescue you again in the present. And even at the end, when you swim through those waters of death, I will never be more salvation in those moments. And I will rescue you then too. I will walk you through those waters of death and into life again. And so I just think the best way to look at some of those things is to look back in your past a little bit and remember those times God are faithful so that you can walk towards the future again, that he will be in ways that are yet to be revealed, but he will be there again. All right, uh, Peter, just for a reminder, as we conclude this hour, no, Jesus means salvation. It means salvation. Okay. He who will save his people from his sins. That's okay. why yeah, Matthew says that. And eternal life is a present possession and an indestructible way of living. Yeah, if listeners want to look it up, they can look up that Greek word zoe. I mean, just Google Greek word zoe, New Testament. You will come across more. You, your, your mind will probably blow up with like why this is all so accessible. It's all mm-hmm. just sitting right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to let listeners know that we're going to deal with this for at least five or six weeks, and we're, we welcome your questions. If you have a question about salvation, we're going to have uh, Peter every week and also then a panel of contributors that will be answering questions and giving perspectives, and we're going to really do a deep, deep dive on this. So we're going to always collect questions, and we'll respond to them uh, either on the air or, or just through an email or a text. We just won't care about very much about what questions you have about this. And Mm -hmm. we want to address this thoroughly and we want to do it well. So uh, we're going to definitely want your input because you uh, and your questions matter a great deal to us because we've, we've heard, we've heard them for many years here at Faith Radio and um, it's, it's heartbreaking sometimes when people said I've, I've had my born again experience, but I don't feel saved. Yeah. I just, Bill, if that's what we could communicate, that the good news is maybe even better than we dared hope to believe over these next couple of weeks, that, that people could find some answers to these really difficult things that are very understandable in all of this. Yeah, so I'll just give uh, listeners a heads up as we do this uh, next time. Uh, we don't know who we're going to have as the contributor. <laughs> <laughs> we have some names. We have got names, and they have a tendency of getting excited talking about salvation, so I think it's going to be easy. But yeah. we've got our wish list, and I think you're going to be absolutely amazed and delighted with who we get but we'll have Peter every week and we're going to learn a whole lot about salvation and we're going to be in a much different place six weeks from now. So I hope you uh, continue to tune in. We're going to shoot for Wednesdays five to six, but that's, you know, might change a little bit here and there, but we're going to try to be consistent and the theme is salvation and we're going to stay at it for the next uh, month and a half. That wraps up our show for the day. Thanks, uh, Peter, for being here. Great to be with you, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Have a great night, everyone. God bless and I'll see you tomorrow.